Well, thanks for um, listen. Thanks for shopping for coats for kids. Um, it it makes a real impact in the lives of not just their ch- the children that get the coats, but the families. And uh, we turn it into the best blessing we can. So um, if you are able, please do that and and uh, go get the coat and bring it back next Sunday and be generous, please. Buy them the coolest coat that you didn't get when you were a little kid. Get them a really cool coat that just is a total blessing to them. Okay, so today, um, the first, um, and you know, before we get into the text, I always got to start with a proverb, and I kind of went a little above and beyond. Um, Well, I didn't go above and beyond. It's always God's word, but I tucked in more than one because it's the first, and so we're in the the first chapter of Proverbs, because today's the first I always pick from equal to the date. You got that, right? Okay, and so at the very beginning of the very first book is an explanation about the entire book of Proverbs, starting in verse 1. I'm going to go give you all 1 through 6. These are the wise sayings of Solomon, David, son, king, David's son, king of Is- Israel's king. You know what? I do know how to read, okay? <laughs> yeah, these are the wise sayings of Solomon, David's son, Israel's king, written down so we'll know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it's going, a manual for living, for learning what's right and just and fair, to teach the inexperienced the ropes and give our young people a grasp on reality. There's something here also for seasoned men and women, still a thing or two for the experienced to learn. Fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Wow, great description. I encourage you in your daily devotions to just pay a quick visit to the book of Proverbs and read the chapter that's equivalent to the date. It's a great habit to get into. Um, Last week, a week ago, Lisa and I um, got to go to the Puyallup Fair. <laughs> and, okay, for those of you that don't know us, Lisa is not in this picture, okay? <laughs> Where is Lisa? She's out getting tags. Um, she's not in this picture anywhere to be seen. <laughs> I'm there with a close friend that I met at the fair, and um, anyway, so we went for the day, and I knew that we were going to be there for the whole day, and so I, I, I don't normally plan to have a meal at the fair, but I thought, you know, I haven't been to the fair for years, I'm going to spend a long time, and so I'm going to have to eat fair food, right, which is generally not wise, tastes great, it's just not the, the smartest thing to do, it's, um, and uh, so I... I shopped and I looked at just about everything possible and I ended up with a taco salad. I found a place that had a taco salad. Are you proud of me for having a taco salad? <laughs> Wipe that, that happiness off you because I had with it a big old King Curly fries, okay? <laughs> it was just this, this big thing of greasy, really good fries. I shared it with Lisa and Junko, my daughter, um, Ben's wife, and they ate most of the fries. I didn't have very many of them, I think, but... I mean, I mean, and after I was full, I discovered this little place that had these hamburgers called a Krispy Kreme burger. It was a double cheeseburger <laughs> wrapped in two Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay, now I, I, I was so disappointed I could not eat the thing. I didn't order one because I already was full of my taco salad and curly fries. Um, and... Um, and when I saw that and how I'd missed my opportunity, I was so disappointed that another friend, um, it's it kind of, this is how I felt afterwards. 
Can we have that again? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I would have felt if I'd eaten that Krispy Kreme burger, and I, I don't know. Is there anybody here that actually would be brave enough to admit that you actually had one of those Krispy Kreme burgers at the fair? Bob, did you have one? Bob Hockey, member of the church council, godly man. How was it? Yeah, of course it's good. A hamburger and dessert in the same meal. Wow. Anyway, so now just in case the mere existence of something called a Krispy Kreme burger doesn't make this point clear to you, um, I want to just suggest that the typical American is not all that healthy. Okay, I mean, um, the, 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 the Department of Health and Human Services says that 70.2% of us are overweight. I think for me that means 30% of me is not, like my ears and my fingers. Okay, That's not exactly how that statistic works, but um, the average American has got a little bit of an issue with a little bit of weight. And In fact, here are a couple other st- statistics that I dug up. It said that the average U.S. adult eats at, out away from home at fast food or a restaurant 4.5 times a week. Four and a half times a week. That's a lot. I don't know if that's true for you. Some of you more, some of you less. Um, I'm pretty sure I do that more than 4.5 per week. Um, I might do that 4.5 per day. I'm not certain anyway. But anyway, but here's the problem with eating at restaurants. Some of them are very good, and I encourage you to go there. <laughs> Especially if you're my friend and you manage one. But anyway, so, but, but here's the thing about eating at a restaurant. Um, one study says that the number of calories in a typical restaurant serving is two to three times higher than what you would have in a portion at home. So if you eat at restaurants four or five times a week, and each time you do that, you're eating two to three times. I mean, you can see this multiplying. And, um, and there's this other statistic in this survey. It said 58% of U.S. adults agree with this statement. Most days, I should probably be eating healthier. <laughs> the little one agrees completely. That's right. So, now, I don't want to keep going on with all this really depressing stuff about us and our food. So here's a little bit of good news for you, okay? Um, kissing for one minute burns two calories. <laughs> I don't know how they figured that out, but they figured out holding a kiss for two minutes burns a calorie. So um, if you, if you want to lose just one pound, okay, so let me, let me come back to that. Um, the, 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 to, to burn, you'd have to burn off 3,500 calories to get rid of a pound of excess weight. I don't want to say the word fat because, yeah, okay. So um, anyway, so you'd have to burn off 3,500 calories. So simple math. All you got to do is hold that kiss for 29 hours and 10 minutes, <laughs> and there's a pound right there. Right there. You got a pound. You got that going for you. Okay. Ready? Ready? One, two, three, go. No takers. Okay. And if, if, if one pound isn't going to get the job done for you because you got that class reunion coming and somehow you got to take 10 pounds off, you just got to hold that kiss for 12 days, two hours, and 40 minutes. Now you know how I spend my study time. The math. Kind of waste of time. I mean, even though Americans know it's important for us to exercise, we, a third only, actually exercise regularly. Okay, so 
I mean, it's like, um, I mean, by the way, going to the fridge doesn't count as exercise, okay? Just in case you're wondering, um, it's just, just like we can know the right thing to do to take care of our physical bodies and not do them. Many of us, me included. Um, I mean, I go through spurts. I exercise sometimes and sometimes. I mean, okay, we know to do the right things and we don't always do that. It's also possible for us to be knowing to do the right things with our soul and um, with our spirit. And we can know to do the right things sometimes and not do them also with our families. And that's where we've been over the last couple of weeks. We're in a series... I'm calling Family Checkup, and we're checking up on our families, and we want to get healthy. We're not working on happy. We're working on healthy. God will take care of happy as we're getting healthy, I believe. So we're working on getting healthy, and today we're going to talk about healthy things that healthy families do. And um, um, we've been in the book of Genesis taking a look at um, Genesis families, and sometimes they operate in healthy ways, and sometimes they don't operate in healthy ways. Today, we're going to see not so good an example. So, so far, we've had a good look at um, Adam and Eve and um, the fall and the curse and the difference between men and women, and um, we spent a couple of weeks with them. Last week, we talked about Abraham and Sarah. We talked about the importance of walking by faith and not by sight. So we talked about that last week. And, and uh, now we get to the place where Abraham dies, and he has one parting wish that he basically says, you know, that's, that, that, uh, is, that, is that his son Isaac would not marry a, a woman who doesn't love God. You know, wouldn't, he didn't want her to have a, a pagan wife. And um, in Genesis chapter 24, we'll see that there's, um, you know, we're not going to be there this week, but there's a miracle and there's a journey involved and, and God's provision. It's a pretty cool story. And um, Sarah, Isaac's mother, um, has a brother named Laban and, and a granddaughter. Anyway, so Rebecca marries Isaac, okay? And um, today we're going to take a look at, at Isaac and Rebecca and their two sons. And they get off to a wonderful start but they don't finish very well at all. So we're going to be in Genesis 25, but I want to begin with this thought. Healthy families. Oh, mom, how about some breakfast? <laughs> right? She was making those squeaky little baby noises a little while ago. Love that little one. Hi, sweetie. Can I hold her? Not now? Okay. Um, so um, we love our children, don't we? Right? And children make noise. That's what they're supposed to do. They squeak, and that's just the deal. So we love families, and we love, the, love, love seeing the kids here. So here's, here's the first thought, and then we'll see this play out in Scripture. Healthy families, things healthy families do. The, healthy, healthy families bring their problems to God. Pretty simple truth. If you want a healthy family, you need to bring your issues to the Lord. So we're going to start in Genesis 25, starting in verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac... Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, dropped down to be his wife. Verse 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Okay, so they've got a serious family problem right there. He's 40. We don't know how old she was. She's probably a little bit younger, but they weren't having kids. And we don't really know what the problem was here. You know, was it Isaac? Was it Rebecca? Was there some infertility with one or both of them? We don't really know, but the bottom line was that they were not having any children. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. And um, so there had to be some, okay, we're not having kids. What are we going to do? Kinds of thoughts and discussions going on there. And what are we going to do when we have this problem? And at, at, at this is what I would call, you might call a watershed moment for this family. 
Now, a watershed, you've heard, if you've heard that phrase before, a watershed moment is, is a, 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 the, the picture is you're walking along a ridge line out in the woods somewhere or in the, in the wilderness, and if you go to the right, it, the, the water that rains, the rain that falls there would go into a watershed over that way and maybe go one direction. And if you go, if you go the other side of the ridge, it's a watershed moment. You have to make a decision about where you're going to go. And a, a lot happens after that, that moment and that watershed moment. Um, I was, uh, we would go on vacation in, into a place in Wyoming near Yellowstone and Grand Teton Park. And um, there's, a, um, there's a place there that you probably have never been. It's hard to get to. It's called, it's a national landmark, and it's called Parting of the Waters. Parting of the Waters National Landmark. And this is the spot. Now, I've not been there. This is a photo I, d- I downloaded, but this is roughly... Um, 25 or 30 miles from the nearest road, so you, you have to hike in for days or ride a horse back in there. But here's what's going on here. This is, you're standing, your, your point of reference here is you're standing in a place called North Two Oceans Creek. And uh, this river, this little creek is no more than 8, 10, 10 feet wide, and it's flowing south, and um, it's way up high in the Continental Divide area. And at this point, the water randomly parts to the left or the right and it starts two creeks. The one going to the right in the picture is, is named Pacific Creek. The one to the left is, is named Atlantic Creek. Atlantic Creek flows into the Yellowstone River, which flows into the Missouri, which flows into the Mississippi, which flows into the Atlantic Ocean. The one to the right flows in, this is Pacific Creek, it flows into the Snake River, which flows into the Columbia River, which goes into the Pacific Ocean. This is a very, very rare thing. I don't know of any other place like this in North America where water literally randomly can go left or right, and it, it's going to the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific. It's a watershed moment for this family. We've got, we've got problems. What are we going to do? We can retreat. We can be angry. We can give up. We can divorce and find somebody else who can give us a baby. We can da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What are we going to do? No. We're going to go to God with this. And they go to God. This is a wonderful watershed moment. Every family has watershed moments, lots of them. And what you do in those moments is so important because you can land thousands of miles apart. And everybody knows, of course, the Pacific Ocean is the place to go, right? <laughs> right? Anyway, so, anyway, so um, this, this, you know, they're, they're there and there's watershed moment. And, you know, going to the doctor is really a good thing. Getting counsel from people is a good thing, you know, getting wisdom and, and so forth. Reading books, that's a good thing. Those are all really good things. But at the end of the day, what matters most is we go and we take, take it to the Lord. Take your problem to the Lord. And, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. <laughs> well, yeah. Terry, I would pray more if, you know, if it just worked like that. Isaac prayed, his wife got pregnant, pretty easy. You know, you ask the Lord to help me out, and he does. It's pretty nice how that happens for people in the Bible. You know, you see this, if it always goes so well for them. It's, it doesn't, like, work that way for me, so I'm, sometimes I don't. I want you to see this isn't as exactly as it appears here. So Isaac is 40, right? Okay, we just read that he's 40. Verse 20 says he's 40. So let's just jump down a couple of verses to verse 26. It's describing the birth of the children, Okay. Um, the twin, uh, Jacob and his twin brother, verse 26. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Simple math. They've been praying for 20 years. 20 picking years. <laughs> hey, 
I'm no longer 40, Lord. I'm 45. When am I going to have my baby? It's 50 now, Lord. I'm 55. Lord, I'm 59. I gotta, this, I'm going to be 80 when this kid graduates high school if we get pregnant now. Where's the answered prayer? And at 60, his wife bears a child for him. You know, you know and I, I think we pray sometimes. He prayed for 20 years. We've got to get on that program where we're willing to see what the Lord's timing is and have a little faith. We have to get off the, you know, God, I, I got to have this, and, and I pretty much got to have this now. In fact, if I don't have this by Friday, Lord, then I know you're not serious about this. <laughs> we should get off of that. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe some of you are praying for something that is as important to you as children was to this couple. You know, you're praying for a lifetime partner or Maybe you're a parent and you're praying for your children who have wandered away from the king and you're watching them do things that, that, that are hurting them and you're just breaking your heart and you're, you know, I don't know how long you've been praying. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Because in the intervening time while you're praying, God is doing something in you. And I think probably in this situation, God was doing something in this father to prepare him for the children that he was going to... The Lord was preparing him. The Lord is doing something in you and in me. Every time you kneel down in faith, every time you go back to the king about something that you've talked to him before, he's doing something in you. Don't give up. Just keep on praying. And, and he's also leading you to the place that when that prayer does get answered, you won't have any questions about where to put glory. You give it back to the king who deserves it. Prayer isn't only changing things. Prayer is changing us. He prayed, uh, Isaac prayed for 20 years. And, um, you know, God, you know, where have you been all that time? Well, Terry, I was working on you, you know. And um, don't become impatient and give up. Genesis 25, verse 21. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled within her. And she said, this is a very cool moment here. Okay, this is something I think supernatural and sovereign because it, it was, I think is going on here. So the children struggled within her. This wasn't the typical moms being kicked by the baby, right? Some of you ladies are pregnant right now and it's a wonderful thing to feel your child moving. <laughs> I hear these discussions. Um, and um, I haven't, you know, I was able to put my hands on my wife's tummy and feel the baby kick and it was a pretty amazing thing. But that's not what was going on here. They were struggling, and she, Mama here, sensed something. It's just, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't, I can't, I don't know what's going on. When that happens today, I know what we do. We call the doc, and they say, hey, let's, let's get over there and get some ultrasound. And for Lisa and me, ultrasound was a new thing because we were raising children in the dark ages. And, uh, like, there was one ultrasound in the state. We had to drive to Seattle for it or some crazy thing. And, um, you know, it's like you could see this static it looked like that thing when you turned the TV on at 2 in the morning when the channels were all turned off and all the white dots, black dots. That's what, that, it said, see that? Did you see that? That's a baby. I said, no, I don't see any baby in there. What's that all about? You know, now you can go to Walgreens and for $15 buy one, I think. And anyway, so anyway, they, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's whatever. So, um, but anyway, so they didn't have that. And this mother had, I believe, a supernatural sense. There is something going on in here. And it's, it's not... It's not normal. What's going on? This mother is already sensitive. Something spiritual going on with her children. They were struggling in there. And I think what the text is saying is that these two brothers were already at it. 
they were already, <laughs> they were already doing this. And mama's going, my kids are already fighting. You go to your corner. You can't go to your corner. Go to your room. Oh, there's no way to do that. I mean, this mother is sensing the emotional turmoil. There's something going on there. It's pretty majestic things being described here. And she said, if it is thus, you know, if, if these children are going to be the nations that God's promised, if, this, if God's promise is true, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Way to go. Way to go, Rebecca. She's perplexed. She's mystified. She's upset. She can't understand what's going on. You know, she, she's distraught. God made me this promise. I've waited a long time. Something's not right. And what she do? She goes right straight to the king. She went right straight to God. And when your family's in a crisis, there is no more important decision than you can make than to go to the king. You get your family together and say, honey... I, I, we got to pray. There's something going on here, and I, I do not have the answer, but we need to pray. Some of the greatest, I think, family moments for the Fisher clan have happened in some um, prayer moments where, I mean, I'll, I'll share a couple of them with you. Um, and some of these I've talked about before. One of them was uh, at a time where um, we had been given a, a, a diagnosis for our precious little girl, Rachel, who was a tiny little girl. That the doctor said, she has epilepsy. Is that me? Maybe it's not. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's, they said, she's got epilepsy. Um, you're going to deal with this the rest of your life and a bunch of stuff I've told you before. And I still can remember the moment with this little girl sitting on my lap, and we were praying. And, um, and, and we prayed, Lord, help. Don't know what to do. Fix this. And uh, I remember hearing it, and I know Rachel can remember hearing it too, and the Lord spoke to us. I remember how he spoke to me. I'm healing your daughter now. It was a miraculous thing. And we actually experienced a miraculous healing that was medically verified, a pretty, pretty cool thing. And, and in that process, faith was being born into this future pastor. Faith was being born into this woman, into this, this, this daughter, and to this family. They're going, faith was being born. It was an amazing thing. Um, another, another time, um, we had this... Um, we had heard news from a family who had this terrible um, disaster headed into their family. And, um, and so we thought, we, we need to pray as a family, but our children are too young to carry the weight of what they're praying about. But we're going to teach them some things, plus they got faith. Kids have faith. Do you know that? You can learn faith <laughs> if you just watch your kids pray. Anyway, so we got our kids together and we said, you know what? We're going to pray for this family. They've got some problems. We didn't describe it to them. We just said, if you're quiet in your spirit and you listen, the king, God will kind of let you know. And we'll pray and we'll take turns. And we just were in the family when we prayed. And we heard our children praying about specific circumstances involved in some of the that they did not have knowledge of because the Holy Spirit was speaking through them. And the Lord answered prayers. It was an amazing time for our family. They learned this. Do this, families. I'm telling you, do this with your kids. Sit them down and say, God will speak to you. He'll help you know how to pray for your friend. I'll help you. And they'll learn to listen and hear the voice of the king. Anyway, so we, we did that. There was, there was another time that um, we, Lisa and I decided that we needed to um, make a financial sacrifice as a family to help a need outside of our family. And um, we didn't feel like it was right for us to say, okay, kids, this sacrifice. We thought, let's involve them in the decision. So we got them together and we said, we're considering this need. And if 
the only way we can really help this need is this specific sacrifice for our family, a financial one, a significant one, one that all of them didn't want to do. Me too. And, and I remember listening to the prayers and hearing the king touch people's hearts and say, you know what? This is the thing I want you to do. Not because I want to squeeze something out of you, but because I have plans for you. And this is, you're now vesseling some blessing to someone else. You leave your future to me. And my children learn some cool things. It's just this time of prayer as a family. I mean, and then I'll just, one more. I, I just kind of jotted down some that I was, I was preparing. And this other one, and I'm sharing this one specific because it's more personal to me. Lisa, Lisa and I um, came to a place and, and a circumstance in our lives where um, there were some things, some big changes coming, and, and it was scary, and it was hurtful, and things, just things going on in our lives. At this point, our children were grown adults, and um, so this was different than us gathering up our, our little kids. We called our adult kids who lived in different places and said, you know what, we need to have a family meeting and uh, prayer, and we picked a time, and so we met all of our children together at Ben's um, apartment. He lived in Kent at the time, and and we basically said, you know, I opened up my heart, and Lisa opened up her heart, and we said, we, we just need you to pray for us. We're hurting. We're not sure. Our faith is wobbly. And, uh, and we need our family to pray for us. And um, sitting in a circle, hearing every one of them pray anointed prayers after they had been taught by their parents how to pray. And I think in that moment, we just wanted to be covered by prayer, by people we trusted, and we trusted our kids. Not that we didn't trust other people, but we, we just felt like that was the thing for us to do. And um, hearing them pray and call out to God was just awesome. Awesome. And later, you know, after issues played out, I mean, there were comments that a couple of them made to us privately and said, you know, that was so cool for us to be able to pray for our parents. And, you know, I say to you right now, church, you are not hurting yourself when you show your children your weakness, so long as you teach them that you take the weakness to the king. Yeah. Healthy families get this. They take things to the Lord. And don't, don't, by the way, don't be embarrassed if you haven't done this before as a family. You can do this starting, you know, you can do this and be a healthy family starting right now. So Isaac and Rebecca got this, and um, I'm sorry to tell you that as we continue with them now, they didn't get much more right, okay? We're going to start seeing a series of terrible mistakes. And uh, so second, and we're going to learn from some things. The second thing that we're going to see today is healthy families don't play favorites. Healthy families, this is, this is not a healthy family, and we're going to see them mess this up pretty badly. Genesis 25, verse 22. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord, and the Lord said to her, notice, God answers her prayer. The Lord said to her, she's already sensitive, and um, so, and, and, and catch this, God's answer to her is prophetic. Two nations are in your womb. Now, I've had pregnant women tell me that they feel so full, but imagine, ladies, instead of a baby, you've got two nations in there. <laughs> wow. Some of you feel like I got two nations. Okay. And, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. These two brothers are already fighting. They're already struggling. Verse 24, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his hair like, all his body like a hairy cloak, a hairy coat. <laughs> he comes out wearing a fur jacket. <laughs> So they called his name Esau, okay? 
<laughs> this makes me laugh. Okay, Esau can be translated as hairy or rough, okay? Not the H-A-R-R-Y hairy, but the H-A-I-R-Y hairy, right? So it can be translated as hairy. So it's like, <laughs> he, it's, it's like you know, the, out he comes, Harry, and the name stuck. It's like, what if you got your name by the first reaction in the delivery room? You know, think that through for a minute. I mean, this is where I waste my time. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like lots of skin or slimy or floppy. You know, I would say skinny, which means lots of skin, but you would think, I, okay, anyway, so afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob, which can be literally translated as heel grabber or heel catcher. Okay, Harry, heel grabber. Okay, so like, uh, they're consistent at least. I mean, now figuratively, the name Jacob means supplanter, usurper. Okay, so he's saying, no, let me come out first. You know, he's, he's, there's already, the struggle is going on and Esau gets ahead of him in the race here. Isaac was 60 years old when, he, when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. You know, before we had kids, people would say to us, oh, our children are so different from each other. And, um, and it really turned out to be true. Our kids are all completely three different people. Esau is just like this Mr. Outdoorsman. He's rough and tough. He's a man's man. Jacob, you know, he's more... Mr. Rogers, <laughs> got the coat or the sweater that comes up and there's a ding, ding, ding. Oh, you be my neighbor. <laughs> you know, he's this quiet man and <laughs> they're just really, really different. <laughs> the problem is, you know, the problem is not that there, there's nothing wrong with these differences. Verse 28, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game but Rebekah loved Jacob. That is a heartbreaking verse. That's wrong. That's just flat out wrong. It's destructive. It's unhealthy. And a lot of turmoil that's coming to this family is coming there because mom and dad are playing favorites. There's already some tension between the boys. You know, it started in the womb because they're so different from each other and they're going for the same things and their goal, they're... they're you know, dad and relates to this outdoorsy kind of son, you know, maybe because that's how dad was. I don't know. You know, maybe Esau is more athletic and dad leans that way. Mom's, you know, relates to the one that's more willing to be around the house. Maybe he's quieter and more sensitive. I don't know. But, he, you know, but these are, these are admirable characteristics these, cat, these kids have. The problem is not the kids here. The problem wasn't that they were different. The problem here is that mom and dad made a point of preferring one over the other. Mom liked Jacob, dad liked Esau. It's just not good. And these two parents, they, they see these kids, they're, they're not gifts from the Lord, but they're possessions. They're, you know, they're, they're product. And children can tell this in mom and dad. They can. And I wonder how Isaac and Rebecca communicated this to these two boys. You just have to wonder what kinds of things were said, what kinds of comments, you know. I love my firstborn. He'll always be a special mirror. I love my little girl. I've always wanted a little girl, a little princess, or, you know. Or I love my second son. He's so gentle and easy to get along with and doesn't, you know, you know, that's just wrong. It's just destructive and it's unhealthy. 
Instead, I think we need to go out of our way to show our children that we love them all the same. We have to go out of our way to show our children that you know, we love them by God's grace as perfectly as we can. Out of our way to show them you know, un- unconditional love. And um, you know, we don't prefer the easy one. And I've seen families, and you probably have too, where maybe one of the, you know, maybe the, they've had a couple of kids who are polar opposites where you know, one was so compliant Easy to get along with everything, never resisted in any way, and the second one is you know, difficult, rebellious, you know, always pushing, hard for the you know teenage years, and 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 if you've known the family long enough to watch, and sometimes in those circumstances the rebel will come back to God, and the passive one, who never really dealt with issues, never really just kind of tucked them away, has just kind of you know slipped off into worldliness. You know, to parents, everything is not as it seems in, in the temperamentality, temper, temperament of our kids. It's just not always how it appears. You know, don't resent the difficult one. And don't over-celebrate the one who's easy because their challenges could be just around the corner. It's just not right when parents favor one of their children over the other. Healthy families don't play favorites. And number three, healthy families don't put self-satisfaction before the Lord. Verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Jacob hangs out with mom, so he probably learned some some skills there. Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew. Now, literally, the word stew is not in the passage. The translators put that there for us to um, understand what's going on here. It's just actually this red stuff, reds, red stuff, you know, so it's, you know, he's, he, he, it's, it's the word Adom, a red stuff. For, for I am exhausted, he says. It's like he comes in saying, red stuff, hungry, feed, give red stuff. You know, he's, <laughs> now give me red stuff, you know. So and now it says, therefore, his name was called Edom, okay? Edom is, comes from the same root word as red stuff, okay, autumn. So it basically means red. And so now he's being nicknamed red, it's okay to be nicknamed Red, right, Red? <laughs> so he's nicknamed Red, and, and Esau actually becomes the father of the Edomites. He's called Edom. He he's becomes the father of the Edomites, and I don't want to go down that trail, but if you, if you read into the book of Isaiah or Ezekiel, those people are cursed by the Lord at, 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 later. So, as, And as we're going through the, the context here, we're going to see some things that Isaac is, um, you know, he's got a food thing. Remember, it said that he preferred Jacob because of the food that he got from Jacob. Okay, so he's got this food thing. He loves food. And it's not too surprising that his son turns out a little bit to be like his dad. And it was all about the food. And, you know, when you allow some um, self-satisfaction to get in the way of what God wants, watch what happens next. He says, let me eat some of that red stuff. I'm exhausted. Verse 31, Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. You want some stew? I want your birthright. Esau says, I'm about to die. Of what use to me, of what use is a birthright to me? Now, if we knew more about Old Testament times, we'd be going, (gasps) for what he's saying there. You know, the birthright was a huge deal. It's a larger share of the family inheritance. It's a place of privilege and rank within the family. It was, it was the carrying on of the family name. It was, you know, the first position of the family when the father, or when, if, if the father died, it was a really, really big deal. 
And for him to say, of what use is a birthright to me? He's, 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 it's disrespectful. It's dishonoring. It's just, there's no gratitude. He's got an entitlement attitude. It's just, it's petulant. It's just unbelievable. It's just a shocking thing for him to say. Verse 33, Jacob said, swear to me now. You swear. You're going to sell it. You, you, you <laughs> swear, you know. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Are you kidding me? This Seriously? I mean, I, this, I'm still shocked when I read this. And it's kind of hard for us to understand, but as we keep going here in this passage, we're going to see what's going on. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And here it comes. The bottom line for us to capture. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The things of God meant nothing to him. Nothing. Birthright, schmirthright. Give me some red stuff. That's, you know, Hebrews 12 describes Esau and it says, it calls him a profane person. It says, for one morsel of food, he sold his birthright for this momentary pleasure. He trashed it. He trivialized everything that was important to him and to God and just for the pleasures of a moment. You know, I want it and I want it now. And uh, he threw everything out, out the window. Healthy families don't do this. They just don't do this. Healthy families don't take the things that matter to us for all eternity and throw them over for a momentary pleasure, you know, for a little fling or for something. They, they just don't do that. And um, they, fa- healthy families know that God's law cannot be broken without consequences. And they know that, they believe that, and um, they teach that to their children, and they warn their children appropriately. Healthy families don't put self-satisfaction before the things of God. We're going to wrap up here. Um, I've got a quick list of questions to ask you, and here's what's going on with this. Um, I actually had 12 or 13 pages of sermon notes, which is a long sermon. And I thought, this is too long. I'm going to cut this in half. And then I realized, now I shouldn't have done that because kickoff today isn't until 5. And I, <laughs> we have hours to go. Um, but anyway, no, I'm, I'm, we're going to come to a close here, and we're going to pick this family back up. We're in the middle of, of this next week. Um, but I, I want you to think th- this through, where we've been so far. Imagine a survey if it was asked of your children or your youth. Okay. What's more important to your parents? One, is it more important to your parents that you get good grades or is it more important to your parents that you grow in godliness? How's that going at your house? You know, I wonder if our, if our children's answers would surprise us. What's more important to your parents and what's more important in your family, success in sports or success in spiritual matters? What do your parents care about the most if we were to ask kids? What's more important to your mom and your dad, what you watch on TV or what they watch on TV? What's more important at your house, being on time for school or being on time for church? (laughs) What gets all the energy at your house? What's more important to your parents, that you eat healthy food, nutrition, or is it more important to your parents what you're putting into your mind? Which really, you know, what are the things that really bring mom out of her chair and, and, and get dad worked out? Is it, is it whether you eat your carrots or the music you listen to or the movies that you watch? What would be most important to your parents? I would never do a survey like this with your kids, with any kids. I would never, ever do that. I would never do anything that would undermine your children's thinking about your parenting or your home. But 
I think it's really good for us to ask ourselves these questions. What would our children think are our priorities in the way we raise them in our household? It's challenging. I think it's really vital that we ask these kinds of questions of ourselves. Healthy families get this. They don't overemphasize this minute right now. Healthy families don't, they don't focus on what I need, what's going to please me in the next few seconds. They don't, they don't, healthy families don't give their kids everything. They don't take their kids everywhere. They train them to work. They train, the healthy families train their children to manage their money. They train them to manage all of their priorities in life. Healthy families teach their children that God comes first. And I hope that that's spiritually written over your home, that God comes first. I go into houses and I see, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you for putting that up in our house. I hope that that's spiritually written over your house and that your kids would believe it to be true. If it isn't, you know, Scripture, Romans tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't feel condemned. Feel the Holy Spirit leading you to a place of leading your family in righteousness. It's not too late to lead this way no matter whether your kids are grown and out of the house or not. We're kind of midway through this. So um, we're going to pick this up next week. Here's a quick overview of the topics coming in the second half of this message. Truth versus peace. <laughs> Doing wrong, hoping it will lead you to right. Avoiding the family implosion. So those are the topics we're going to be talking about. And then we're going to talk about four things that healthy families have. That's what's going to be in the message next week. Let's pray. Lord, um, it's sometimes can be um, a 